Hello and welcome to Sensei Podcast. This is Manos Brilakis discussing with leaders in the field of CTO and Complex PCI. Sensei means teacher or master in Japanese. The goal of the Sensei Podcast is to help you learn and improve in CTO and Complex PCI so that you can become the best that you can be and offer your patients the best possible results. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sensei Podcast. It is my great pleasure to introduce Dr. Ricardo Santiago, who is the founder of the PCI Cardiology Group and the director of the Bayamon Heart and Lung Institute in Puerto Rico. So actually, um, Dr. Santiago is the first uh, interventionalist on the podcast from Latin America. So super excited to have you on the podcast uh, today, Ricky, and uh, looking forward to learning from you. Thank you so much, Manos, for the invitation. I'm absolutely honored to to be here and to be, you know, to be uh, uh, in the presence of uh, such a uh, important figure in interventional cardiology as yourself. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that, so but it's uh, it's exciting <laughs> to hear because you know everyone is has different background, and I know that in your case. You've done a phenomenal work getting new techniques. The TIL technique comes to mind, doing very complex yeah. procedure in an environment that sometimes can be challenging because of equipment and other, other issues. So maybe we'll just dive right in. Maybe give us your story. Yeah. How did that start for you? How did you decide to get involved into this area? Yeah, so uh, I actually, you know, my background is I went to college just because I was following my peers. There is no... Uh, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an interventional cardiologist. So I just went to college uh, and I actually dropped out. I dropped out of college like uh, like second year and I pursued a career in skydiving. So wow. I, became a, <laughs> I, became, I became a skydiving instructor. And, um, and then meeting people in the skydiving world, um, I saw a lot of doctors and a lot of lawyers and a lot of people. And I'm like, hmm. You know, um, I, I think I should do something else with my life rather than do this. And so I went back to college and finished uh, uh, nuclear medicine technology. That's what I did. And once I, I stepped into a lab because we were doing the stress test and, and all that, that's when I became first, um, you know, involved with cardiology and the cardiovascular medicine and whatnot. And I became fascinated by it. And I say, hmm, I think I should do medicine and started doing all, you know, all that I needed to do to 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 cover that dropout of of college and to get into med school, and then all the way to cardiology and and thankful interventional cardiology in in New Orleans in Tulane Heart and Lung Institute. So that's how I got involved into interventional cardiology. <laughs> well, that's an amazing story. Actually, we had a few people who want to become pilots after they become cardiologists, but I think. I think yeah. you're the first one. <laughs> At the same time, though, right, that gives you a unique perspective because many other people, you know, like myself, who would say to medical school, didn't have this real-life experience. How do you think that influenced you in what you want to do and that make you more determined on doing oh, this? Absolutely. So you, when, I, when I went to med school, you know, you have your peers, and your peers, you have people that are probably, you know, not more immature, but just having less experience or they want to party, they want to do this. I, I have done all that. I was there to just get the get the job done, study, and do what I had to do just to to finish up, you know, and and have a great have a future. So uh, it definitely played a role, you know, just being experienced or more mature in that way. 
And then that, uh, you know, obviously skydiving, at least to me, it sounds pretty dangerous. Um, how is that related <laughs> to you doing complex PCI, which can be, you know, complications? Is that any relationship yeah. there? or? <laughs> It might be. I mean, you have to keep a cool head. Everybody thinks probably that skydiving is for crazy people. But uh, I can tell you that you have to, you know, you have to really know what you're doing, know your procedures, know your emergency procedures. You know, when things go wrong, the uh, the most common cause of, of people dying in skydiving is, is pilot error or out of sequence, out of sequence stuff in an emergency procedure. So once, you, I mean, when you're doing this, you need to know your stuff. And when you're under pressure during an emergency, it's when you have to keep a cool head. So I guess <laughs> that helped me a bit. You know, it was like 3,300 jumps. That's what I did. 3,300 jumps or so um, before my wife told me, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not bad. I mean, that sounds more than a lifetime. That's amazing. Yeah. So you don't do this anymore. You're retired from skydiving officially. Yeah, I was. I was forcefully, forcefully retired from skydiving. <laughs> and, and you never had an injury. You never had any problem after all these thousands of. Uh, thank, of... Thank, thank God, I, I had to open my reserve like uh, maybe like three times. There's people with twenty thousand jumps that never had to open it. But I had to open my reserve like three times. If you have use high performance parachutes, sometimes just because of the high performance, you get into trouble more easily. Um, so I, yes, I had to open my reserve, but thankfully I never ever, you know, never ever had a had an issue um, myself. Of course, I witnessed a lot of stuff. I, one of my best friends passed away in a skydiving accident, like in two thousand one. So yeah, you know, I've 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 been through it all in this sport. So nothing phases out in the cath lab. That's small, uh, small things. And well, I guess the big difference is in skydiving, if something goes wrong, it's your own life at risk, right? Whereas yeah. when you do a procedure, I mean, obviously you're responsible, but at the same time, it's not your life uh, in the line, which hopefully makes you think a little more clear. Um, so you said you were an instructor, right? So how did that help you with learning how to do this and how to teach people? Because, you know, I've seen all your papers, the way you present, the way you teach, which is yeah. very systematic step by step. Yeah, so I guess I'm very structured in, in what I do. Probably comes from that background. Um, but in terms of, of, of CTO PCI and, or complex PCI, uh, you know, when, when I learned, I learned the way I, I learned to do this actually was because 2000, uh, I guess, 10, 11, I mean, there was not many material out there, right? So the way I learn, I, I keep telling this to people, is I watched live cases. I watched live cases after live case after live case to the point that I actually repeated them just to see the troubleshooting and just to hear the operators going through the steps to the point that I memorized in the same way that you, know, you memorize a procedure for skydiving or for doing whatever. But I memorized that. I, I remember the first thing I, uh, I tried to memorize was um, actually a, a life case from Aaron Grantham doing a stingray um, procedure. And I, and I, you know, I, I can't remember the words of what he was doing and the crossbows and the stingray and the Miracle 12 and everything. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, being structured um, and keeping a cool head uh, when we're doing this, it, it helps you. It helps you very much not to wander around in your head, you know, and keep a direction. 
So, but let's go back one step. How did you actually get into this? So you trained at Tulane, as you said, right? And at yeah. the time, you know, I'm not sure how much complex was being done. You know, it was the early days, so obviously a few cases done in most labs. Um, did you learn mainly by watching cases or did you actually have people proctor you or went to labs? So, yes. So I, I, I'm the luckiest person in the world because um, when I got there, um, my attending, which is uh, who's called Nidal Aberafi, he's collaborated with you in, in a couple of papers. Um, Nidal had just graduated. Had just finished um, interventional fellowship, and he was there. He was a new attending, and all he wanted to do was complex PCI. And so, I was there, and he was bringing proctors, just back to back, just to get him right. And I was just standing right there, absorbing, absorbing, <laughs> absorbing everything. And uh, my wife actually was—I was there in Tulane. My wife was back home in Puerto Rico, so I, I you know. I couldn't be hanging around too much because my wife would kill me. So all I could do, all I could do was be in the lab, be, you know, listen to all the proctoring, be there, do cases, go back home and watch life cases. And, you know, everything they said on the, uh, the proctors, they said during the day or I hear something new, I just would go find it out during the night and just study it. And so I got like a very deep, deep, deep dive into complex PCI during that year. And immediately when I got, got out and come, came to Puerto Rico, I started getting proctored again. So, you know, it was very, very intense um, for those two years. And from that, you're here, you know, been building it up slowly. And here we are. So literally, see one, do one, teach one, I guess, right? So you literally yeah. did it... Yeah. Uh, uh, in the in that way, and and then how um, how are you handling these cases? So you went in an environment, right, that is not potentially having all the ICUs and all the uh, you know expensive equipment sometimes, and even now there can be a limitation for many US centers as well. Um, how do you deal with that, and how are you be able to do some of these procedures that can be very resource intensive? Yes, so in the beginning, uh, the materials were an issue um, because. I remember we, you know, the mic getting the microcatheters, getting the wires, getting everything. But at that time, there was really nobody doing um, comp. I mean, CTO PCI or really, really complex PCI back in Puerto Rico. Um, so there was a, a niche there that it was just not being exploited. And me and my partner, by the way, and, and I'm the co-founder of the PCI Cardiology Group, um, uh, Valentin del Rio. So we saw that and we said, you know, we we can, you know, we can exploit this. And um, we, I started doing the cases. And of course, you, you know, if you start doing very complex stuff and people start, you know, getting complications or God forbid dying, you're not doing yourself a, or your, you know, your group a, a great favor. So we build it up slowly, right? And through that time, we started talking to our um, administrators to get the materials. And even though even though they knew that with the insurance companies, they were going to probably be even or lose money on, the, on some CTO cases. Um, we knew that we were going to get referrals from everywhere and, you know, build the program up in that way and use other resources to, to you know, the halo effect as it's been described. And that's how, actually how we did it. Um, we've never had an issue with uh, procedural um, uh, limitations until actually last year. Um, I guess it, it, it's been building up, building up, building up. 
we've done the most we've done in one center is 150 CTOs in a year, which is it's okay for one. Great center. number, absolutely. Um, yeah, but then now after do, having that a couple of years in a row, they will say um, they say no, nah, you have to do start doing less cases a month. You know, just starting to cut costs a little bit because they're getting more complicated because we're a referral center. So everything that's coming is sure. it's bad, <laughs> right? So it's, it's all very expensive cases. Um, and so with regards to that, the, uh, the expertise um, is there. We have everything. We have, you know, we have our surgeons. We have our, our intensive care. Mechanical support is an issue if, if we need it for Puerto Rico. Oh, Impella, not, you know, like readily available. We have to ask for permission and, and certifications and whatnot just to use it electively. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to use it um, in a in an emergency just because I need it. That's a that's a problem, a limitation for, sure. for Puerto Rico. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's it's you know more of the same. So you build it slowly, as you said, and you slowly got the. Uh reputation out there and now you're becoming a referral center which is again how many people do it and obviously you're providing a great service because there are patients there's a clinical need as you said before now how yeah. do you deal with the psychological part of this uh, do you get nervous to those cases or after skydiving no, nothing phases you <laughs> no 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 i get uh, i don't know if i i can say i could get nervous at this point i know i would uh, uh i see my procedures i plan my procedures i do all my procedures and you know the, the pro the program has been by myself i don't have a second operator with me um i have a great tech um that i have trained with me that she can read you know i know what's happening um but yeah i just study very well the cases before and i go there you know well prepared i, I don't i don't think you you um you know being nervous before a procedure. I mean, probably before a life case, I would get nervous <laughs> just because of everything that's involved. But, you know, I, I go ready and, and, and prepared. And uh, during the case, I would say that during a case, I would get nervous. I, I get more nervous during the case than before. And it happens, I don't know why, but I, I always say that the, more, the most um, technically complex thing to do in CTO-PCI is just doing ADR, a stingray. Uh, for some reason, uh, you know, you can mess up the procedure in so many ways, you know, mess up the landing zone in so many ways that for some reason, when I, when I'm, okay, I'm, I'm getting a knuckle down and getting there and getting to the landing zone and getting there. For some reason, when I'm going to stick, I, I, I feel, I, I know I'm, I'm a little bit more nervous. And of course, uh, the, the trying to avoid the epicardials, but whenever I'm in an epicardial, uh, my heart rate goes up for sure. But not not before the procedure, during the procedure, for sure. But I think it keeps you focused. You know, nervous nerves are good. Nerves are not a bad thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Within a certain reason, I guess, if you don't get any nervous at all, then that's when complications are going to come. So I could not agree yeah. more than that. Yeah. And then how uh, do you deal with complications? Do you get depressed? Um, they don't bother you as much? How do you deal with the psychological part and the, and the actual part of the complications? No, man. So it's complications. Um, they take a toll on you for sure. Um, and I think it, it also depends on the, the moment in your learning curve that they start occurring, that it will be a little bit more different. 
Um, thankfully, and I'll, you know, knock on wood, but thankfully my complications, you know, they will always happen, but it happened a little bit when I had a little bit more experience and I'm, and I'm talking about not just routine complications. I mean, when doing the CTO and I say to people, there are two things that are going to change you, um, forever and is in this space. And is the first time you open a CTO and the patient comes to the office and says, Oh my God, I feel great. You don't need anything else. There's no data. There's nothing that will convince you more than that guy's telling you that he feels great. And then there's nothing that's also going to change you, you know, your perspective more that when you have the first patient come in, walking from their home just to get a CTO done and you have your first mortality and it dies on the table. So, you know, it changed me forever. I, uh, I I say this um, candidly when I have when I go to Proctor or when I go out. You know, my first mortality was uh, it's a female. She had um, three CTOs, and I crossed I crossed uh, the RCA like super quick, but she was getting hypotensive, and I couldn't explain it. Couldn't explain it. Couldn't explain it. Couldn't explain it. She went to a, like a shock spiral. I couldn't get her out, and she died. And then when, it, when we saw the case and we realized it was just the guide. It was just the guide pushing on the aorta. And that was it. She was not perfed. I mean, we, we, even, we even took her to the OR and they opened her up. And I'm like, something has to be wrong. No. So I, she was so hypertense with the acute aortic regurgitation. Why not? She went to a spiral because of the other two CTOs and whatnot. And I couldn't get her out. And I, and I was like, how can I... That took a toll. I mean, I couldn't sleep that day just because I knew it's absolutely preventable. You know, it's and and when we go to courses now, you know, everybody's talking about the, the guide on the valve, the guide on the valve, um, between other things. But that was my first one. I remember it. I will remember it forever. Um, and um, it definitely uh, took took a toll on me and 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 changed me. And whenever something else happens. It gets tougher with, with time, having to talk to the family and, you know, see their reaction in their eyes like uh, something bad is going to happen. So it definitely takes a toll on you. Um, and you need to, uh, right now, what I do is after, of course, going back to in, into my head and trying to learn from what happened, you know, I do my thing, go and try to do exercise do something different to get my mind off, you know, off what happened. Um, being, you know, uh, absolutely clear that I, that I have to learn from that experience, just reminding myself. Yeah, and I think it's, thanks for sharing because, you know, these are the tough things to share, right? I mean, everyone has complications and it's not always shared. And I think listening to this, someone else might, you know, catch it. If something happens, the same thing happens to, to them, they may be able to catch it earlier on and potentially avoid uh, the complications. So everything yeah. that is shared, I think, goes a long way. So I guess the patient, whatever it has to the patient happen, but how can this help yourself and others in the future for preventing similar things? Yeah. Now, how do you, you said you exercise, how do you keep in good shape to do all this, you know, 150 cases in, a, in a one lab? That's quite quite a number how do you keep in good shape to be able to do all that yeah so uh i try when, whenever i have a not a super crazy day like getting out of the lab at 8 9 p.m 
um, which is not the norm, but it happens. Um, so I try to go to the gym like at 6, 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m. I have, I have a trainer. So I go there, you know, just private me and him. And we uh, do, I do a little bit of CrossFit, but not the crazy one, you know, with all the people. And I try to keep myself healthy, not get injured or whatnot. But that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit of CrossFit right now. I said I would never do that, but it actually, it's, 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 it's cool. There's a lot of uh, technique involved. We say uh, it's not, you know, power. Sometimes in, in CTOPC, it's technique. It's not, you know, just apply brute force. Sometimes you need technique. And it's the same with, uh, with CrossFit. You need, there's a lot of technique involved with the weightlifting and stuff. And so it's, it's, it's good. It's a, it's a nice uh and then yeah, there's exercise. The, there's the commitment too, I guess. So if you have someone, if you have the trainer yeah. coming, then you have to show up as well. So yeah, there's no no easy way out. <laughs> there you go. You have to pay, so <laughs> you have to go. And, and then, do you get tired after doing that, or it makes you feel good for the rest of the day? No, no, absolutely not. I would, I would, I would encourage everyone, you know, to do your type of exercise. Some people do running. I don't, I don't like to run a, a lot, um, but uh, I feel great. Even even the times when I when I'm like, oh my god, I should not go. I would I would rather stay home and just do nothing, um, or go straight to the lab. Right when I go, when I get there and I start, and then at the end I'm like, ah, oh, I feel great. Yeah, exercise is it, it's it's good for you and for us. You know that we live in such a stress high, high stress environment. It's a good it's a good way to to take the edge off. So. I encourage everyone to do it. And then, have you had any issues with your back and radiation and the lead, or or you've been doing okay and the exercise helping you with that too? Yeah, it's it's helping me. I see. I'm, I'm very envious of everybody having the the rampart system <laughs> right now. Um, but no, no, I haven't had issues. I, I you know have a good posture. I try to use the ones that are uh, you know have the, the belt around your your waist and whatnot. Um, so not yet. I'm sure it's a thing about, you know, I've only been doing this for like close to 10 years. You start, I mean, if you do this for, for long, you're going to get injured. There's, there's no way to get out of it, I think. I think ramp, I mean, any shielding system is the way to go. Do this without lead. Okay. And then do you have any favorite books or any favorite movie? Oh, man. So everybody... Yeah, I saw I saw some of the podcast, and everybody's saying the same. So I, I I would say, I would say I love Apollo thirteen, Apollo thirteen. Now, nobody, I think nobody has mentioned that one, but Apollo thirteen, which was was recorded in zero gravity in the plane, doing zero gravity stuff and whatnot. Um, so that was real zero gravity. That was an amazing movie, and of course, you have to go with the with the new Top Gun. The new Top Gun movie is just amazing. So, <laughs> so living on the edge, yeah. I guess, with your skydiving and everything, the the flying yeah. thing is is very strong. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I love that. Books, I really, uh, you know, I'm, a, I, I don't read that lot. I, 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 what I read is related to my work and medicine. I, I say this uh, joking around, but first time I ever read like a book cover to cover was in med school because I had to read it. Um, otherwise, I just, you know, but. I like more, I'm more a visual guy. So TV and, you know, just watching videos and stuff, but not really into the, uh, 
into being there and reading. My wife like, likes that a lot. Perfect. And then um, when you go and teach many people you do all the proctoring, how, how, how do you approach this? Do you, uh, do you ever tell people, hey, this is not for you? Or you always try to make the best out of the situation? Yeah. So having a proctor a lot of, around Latin America, um, when you go, there, I mean, you know, you have your, your checklist in your head when you go to a new lab. So first you get there, see the equipment, see your shielding system and see your emergency uh, stuff. You know, where's the pericarson TC3 where, you know, try to get, uh, uh, you know, the, the lab have figured out. And then when we saw, when we see the cases invariably, um, there's always very complex cases for the proctoring. Right. And, and so I have a very hard time trying to tell them like, this is supposed for, it's not for me to get in the case and do it. It's supposed to be for you to do it, right? And I'll help you to do the basics. Um, but yeah, uh, the majority of the time, I try just explain, you know, the 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 step by step of why we're here and why we should do it this way or that way. Um, and I try to tell them that I I'm gonna help them. I'm, I'm I don't have, you know, I don't, I'm not the guy that's going to tell you not, you shouldn't do this case. Um, you know, whatever, cancel the case. I, I won't do that. Um, I would try to help in any way I can in the, in any safe way I can, you know, and if I have to scrub in, I'll scrub in and in Latin America, um, there's also a little bit of issues with the material, which you should know. So, for example, if you go, uh, we've gone to places where there's only, like, you only have a, a pre-shaped Pilot 200. So, I mean, pre-shaped and not many um, alternatives. So, you know, your success rate is going gonna to decrease. And I, I'm amazed, actually. There's operators like Joao Tinoco and, and people in, in Brazil that they, I mean, they don't have all the material. And they uh, they have, they're amazing operators, crazy skills. They do crazy cases. And I say, oh, imagine if they had, you know, everything, everything available. Um, but yeah, uh, once when you're in different labs and, and in different countries, I think you need to adjust. But, uh, but it's important for people to understand that uh, we're there to, to guide them. Uh, um, and not for us to do the do the cases, um, but of course, if we need to get in and and help them, we for sure will do that. And then, uh, um, how do you find? What do you find the most difficult thing to teach? Is it stingray? Is it retrograde? What is the hardest thing to convey to people who are learning? Yeah, I think as I said um, um, earlier, I think technically the most difficult thing to to do is this this you know dissection re-entry you know devi device-based dissection re-entry just because all the little steps that that you need to not not to get the stingray down there but everything you do is important to to have to be successful because if you mess with the with the subintimal space you know to re with the re-entry zone in any shape way or form you know you're gonna you're gonna have an issue Right. And so, you know, 
I think technically it's it's hard to 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 teach, um, but from the uh, fr from the uh, procedural standpoint and everything going, um, just doing retrograde and all the steps involved when removing gear and whatnot, it's also a, a place where people are excited because of what's happening over here in the in the CTO. And they forget about the donor vessel and they forget about what can happen there when you're moving gear. So that's the other place where I, when I'm proctoring, that's where, I, where, I, where I've seen issues. Like you start getting excited with the, with the, you know, with the base of operations and you forget about the, uh, the donor vessel and what you need to do there and the guide catheter and all that. So those are the two, two things I think are the most, uh, you know, the awareness during the procedure of the whole thing. And then technically the stingray, you know, doing it doing it correctly, it's 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 kind of technically hard. Wonderful. And uh, I know that you are famous for the tilt technique, which uh, I'm still trying to understand what the acronym stands for. But maybe you're going to share with us because I think many people are have been using it successfully. So how did you come up with the idea, and how did this all happen? No, so yeah, I think I, I've seen. Um, You know, I saw the original paper um, uh, by Jason uh, Wolmoth, I think. And then you guys published, you know, just having the, uh, the guide extension um, pinned in the vessel with a balloon using a ping pong technique, right? And so I was called for a STEMI. And it was a STEMI. Uh, there was an, uh, an operator uh, who was having issues crossing because it was a... It was a SVG to Diag, and the STEMI was of the LAD, and there was no Lima. So he had, it was occluded at the ostium of the diagonal, right? So he had to come retrograde through the uh, vein graft, cross the, the ostium of the Diag, and get into the LAD. And so he tried many times, and he, he, he couldn't do it. And so what I did is um, I first tried, put a guide extension all the way down in the, in the vein graft, Just put a microcatheter and got it. Nope, no issues. Got getting into the LAD, right? Just because it was just a soft thrombus in the ostium of the uh, sure. of the diag. But when I try to get everything to just predilate and get a stent in, like a stent from a diag to the LAD, because we couldn't do the, the acutely the LAD CTO, right? Um, so uh, everything was coming out. Everything was coming out, and I'm like. I need to do this. Give me an eight. So I, I got an eight French guide and I have five French um, guide extensions. And that's the one that I, what I was using because I didn't need anything else bigger. So I put the guide extension all the way down with an eight French AL1. And then all of a sudden I noticed that I could get an uh, parallel, just completely outside of the, of the guide extension, a balloon in, you know, all within the same system. So Well, I pinned the guide extension in the in the SVG, and uh, everything. I mean, everything moved, you know, all through all the course LAD down the stance. Everything was great, and that's what how it was born, right? Um, uh, just doing a single guide, you know, um, pinning the, the the guide extension with the balloon, and the tilt is like a tunnel. You, you're creating a tunnel, and the landslide. And just because we, we need and everything in CTO, PCI, and Cardiology has a cool name. <laughs> so I needed to have a, a cool name for, for the publication. 
So tunnel in landslide technique is like the tunnel is the guide extension, right? It's a tunnel. Um, and the landslide is just the balloon pushing it, right? And so you create a landslide to, to pin the tunnel and then you go through it. And that's it. That's a landslide technique. <laughs> well, this is and awesome. Works, and, and it works and it works great. And and you described it to to block and deliver too. So and, and I saw the case and it and it was great to deliver a, a cover stent. So Yeah, no, it was very inspiring and uh, again it's a, it's a great way to do it. It's a little it's a little easier, as you said, if you have a second guide caster because of the issues delivery. We didn't really have yeah. five friends, 5.5 guide extensions, but, but you're right. It's an, an extra tool and can really make a big difference in some of those complex cases. So how do you yeah. get these ideas? Do they just happen out of necessity? Do you sleep over them and then you get up in the morning and you have it? How, how does that happen for you? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think it's out of necessity the majority of the times. I mean, when... Um, when you're doing this uh, crazy stuff, I mean, sometimes you, you come up with ideas and you say, I wonder if I had this or I had that, if I could do this, if I could have this device. Um, you know, I, I sometimes think if we have a guide extension with a balloon within the guide extension, you know, just to, just to be able to inflate it within the coronary, that would be amazing. I come up with this. I, I can't get it done, but... <laughs> But yeah, um, majority of, uh, of ideas come from from necessity, and sometimes you're you're inspired by 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 other other fields and other people people working. Um, I saw the, the catheter that you do. Um, I can't remember the name right now, but uh, the the new ADR catheter you can do aspiration sure, sure. at the same time. Bill Nicholson's, uh, yeah. Bill yeah. Nicholson's uh, catheter. I can't remember the name of the catheter right now. But uh, I mean, when you see the ibis of that thing, and it's amazing, because you know that's exactly what you need. You know, get some suction going, get that, you know, get the uh, the true lumen just reconstructing and get in. That's amazing, um, and it's amazing that they come up with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, and again, that's a, one of the advantages, I guess, for CTO and Complex is there's always new equipment coming up, new microcasters, new yeah. re stuff, so you always have new things to work with. Yeah. Um, what are you most uh, proud of? You've done so many things, and you've created a lot of uh, opportunity for other people and a lot of space and benefit in uh, Puerto Rico. As you said, I don't think there's many people doing this kind of work that you do. What are the things that you're most proud of, uh, both personally and professionally? Yeah, so... Um... I think being able to 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 build a complex PCI program um, the way we've done it, you know, successfully um, in Puerto Rico, it's been amazing. You know, it's it's I've met so many people. It's it's cra It's crazy how it, how it's grown um, uh, in Latin America. Made so many friends. Um, you know, and I have grown a lot professionally um, since since this started, and it's all thanks to you know all these people that I have met. Um, you know, and it started in the in, in the CTO uh, summit in New York. That's how I started meeting people. It's crazy. It's crazy how it happened, and get invited to the Latam um, CTO registry, and then just from there keeps going and going and going, and meeting people like uh, Lorenzo or yourself that have helped me a lot so it's i'm really proud of 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 being able to to deliver 
this type of care for patients in, in our community because um, it, it didn't exist before. It really didn't exist before. Um, so I'm super, super proud and happy that, that we're being able to do that. Um, and I'm super proud of, of just being here with you. I mean, in this field, in this forum, it's, it's crazy. We just presented in, and CTO plus is something that, I, you know, that, that was a goal for me professionally, just, uh, just to be there in New York and be in, in that, in the big stage and, uh, doing live cases I've done for CTO live aid, you know, that's, that, that was great. And I guess the, the final goal will, will be to, to do a, a live case at, uh, at CTO plus New York. Perfect. Well, again, you can. That will be the that will be the retiring the retiring uh, retiring retiring case. Well, don't get any ideas about retirement now. You're pretty young, so <laughs> this is not the time for this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you have to you have to plan ahead. Plan ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, again, you've done a phenomenal work in all the in all the aspects and phenomenal building of your program, but also helping the whole community uh, to grow and get better as well. So, if you had to give some uh, advice, some you know, a few sentences, what are the key things you think would help people who want to learn this, both in Latin America but other parts of the world world as well? What would you um, suggest? Oh, so you have to work hard. The thing here is there's a lot of talented people, right? There's a lot of talented people out there. Uh, maybe you see all these operators up there and you, you're probably inspired, but you don't think you can't do it or, or whatnot. Um, you have to work very, very hard and be passionate at what you do because there's a lot of talented people out there, but passion beats talent every day of the week, right? So if you're passionate about what you do, um, you learn from your mistakes and stay humble because I'm sure, I mean, this, this would be a, a common topic. I think egos are the biggest enemy in interventional cardiology and what we do. If I can't do it, you can't do it and all that sort of nonsense. Um, this is, uh, it's an enemy. And by the way, it's, it's a very common thing in Latin America. Um, probably in the U.S. too, but in Latin America, every time I go to people and people come to me, we're always talking about how egos get involved in all this. So leave your ego in in your house or or outside of the lab. Um, be passionate about what you do. Learn from your mistakes, you know, and just keep learning every day. Keep learning. Keep growing. Wonderful. Well, again, uh, Ricky, thanks again so much. Um, Again, it's a unique perspective having all this skydiving experience. I'm sure we will hear <laughs> yeah. more about it down the line. But thanks for taking the time. I think that may have been actually part of the success and the determination and the creativity that you've shown. So thanks again for taking the time today, for building a great program, and uh, for everything you do for the field. Thank you so much, Manos. Thank you for the invitation. and honor to, to be representing Latin America here, and uh, I hope to see you soon. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sensei Podcast.